Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. We are talking about prayer. Last week, uh, Josephine kicked us off. It wasn't it amazing last week? Um, Jesse and I were talking afterwards and we said, Josephine has like these stealth revelations. Like you're, you're still about to take a note and then your brain is still ringing from, from the bomb that just went off in your spirit. So, uh, so hopefully we will carry on with that. So I like to do quizzes. So tonight I want to do a, a little bit of a quiz. Who in this room is a born-again believer in Jesus Christ? Well done. Yay. Who in this room has a perfect life? <laughs> hmm. So we are two people with perfect lives. I'm going to get off the stage right now. <laughs> um, yeah, so we are almost everybody in this room, I'm sure, put up their hand and said, we're born again believers in Jesus Christ. But very few of us put up our hands for a perfect life. So yeah, yeah some of the stuff that makes our life not so perfect, right? Disappointment, loss. Criticism, betrayal. So continuing the quiz, who has experienced at least one of these? Who's experienced all four? <laughs> now that's right. Now as born-again uh, believers in Jesus Christ, can you think of sometimes in his life where he experienced some of this? Why don't you take a moment, talk to the person next to you. Each of you give at least one example of these. Okay, well, it sounds like none of you are stumped. Like, there's lots and lots of examples, aren't there? And so, if, if Jesus Christ wasn't spared disappointment, loss, criticism, betrayal, we will not be spared these things, right? But let's be honest, we hate these things. <laughs> Mersha really hates these things. They're awful. They really are awful. But here is... What we're actually going to end up talking about tonight is that if we want to get to where we believe God wants us to be in our lives, if we want to get to the place God created us for, if we want to get to the place we're dreaming of, these things are going to come against us. But how do we then push into what God wants for us? Well, we've got to learn how to navigate these things. You know, Jesus prophesied, he said, in this life you will have trouble. Who feels like he was 100% accurate? Who wants to receive that word in a prophetic moment? <laughs> he was absolutely right. But then he was everything that God called him to be. He died on a cross. He lived an example of what it looks like when a human being is fully and completely submitted to the Holy Spirit. Fully man, fully God. And he rose again. He did everything. In spite of all of this, he got to be who 
he was called to be, who God wanted him to be. And so it must be possible for us. Bill Johnson says this. He says, gifts are free, but maturity is expensive. Gifts are free, but maturity is expensive. Mm. So, we all said we, we are born-again believers in Jesus Christ. That means we have faith, okay? And faith is amazing. Faith connects us to the unlimited nature of God and makes all that is impossible possible, right? But the Bible not only teaches us about the breakthroughs that faith can bring, it teaches us about the importance of enduring faith. You see, we've made a mistake today. And when we read about faith in the Bible, we immediately think promotions and jobs and wives and husbands and new cars and all of that kind of thing. But if you, if you read the Old Testament, you come across somebody called Abraham, right? And in the book of Romans, Paul writes and he says that Abraham believed and it was accredited to him as faith. What did Abraham believe? that there was a God in heaven speaking to him, that there was one true God saying to him, you come out of the false religion you're in. You come out of that demonized concept and thinking that you have in your own culture, and I will show you a new land, and I will make of you a holy nation. Now today, if somebody said that to us, we'd think they were schizoid delusional. But Abraham believed that voice. And he left Ur of the Chaldeans, he left his father's house, and he moved into a new land. So what was faith for, for Abraham? To access God. That is the first and most important part of faith. That is why we have faith. But what we use faith for today is to get stuff. <laughs> And some of that stuff is important. We need it. And God loves us and he wants to provide for us and he wants to heal us and he wants to show us who he really is. But we make the mistake of that's the first place we go into faith. But the first place of faith is knowing God. Do you believe? Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so, yes, the Bible talks about power working faith. Faith does stuff. Let, let's just remember for a minute that faith starts in the lack. Faith starts in the problem. Am I right? If you don't have lack or a problem, there's no need for faith. So who prayed for more faith ever? Guess what? You just became aware of more lack and more problems. Because that's where faith starts. Okay? So yes, faith does things and it gets things done. But the Bible teaches us about this concept of enduring faith. God promised Abraham that he would be a nation. The day Abraham passed away, he had one son, one legitimate son, Isaac, and two grandchildren. Does that sound like a nation? But we're gathered in this room today. I'm preaching from this word today because of his faith. We are the fulfillment of that promise. And Abraham had enduring faith. That's why we are here. And so enduring faith implies that the answer doesn't come immediately. Enduring faith is the ability to hold to faith in the middle of nothing good happening. Ouch. That's Abraham's life. You're going to have a baby. 
We're 70, God. We're 80, God. We're 90, God. There comes Jesus with two angels. You're going to have a baby this time next year. A hundred. That's why Isaac is called Isaac. It means laughter. Because when Sarah heard Jesus and the angels tell Abraham, you're going to have a baby this time, she started laughing. And it wasn't for fun. It was for bitterness and sarcasm. And then exactly the time they said, there was the baby. And then they were laughing for joy. And that's why he's called Isaac. Breakthrough faith brings answers, but enduring faith brings answers with character. God wants to answer your prayers. He wants to demonstrate his heart of love. He wants to show us his ability, uh, sorry, his will. He wants to demonstrate his power. He wants to do miracles. But what he absolutely wants to do in you and in me is to make us a people full of character. Pastor Bill Bennett, I grew up under his preaching, and he used to say this all the time. He said, God is more interested in your character than your comfort. I I find myself saying that all the time in counseling. I find myself saying that to myself because it's true. And the dunamis power of God is miracle-working power. But it is also power and strength directly from heaven that enables us to endure until the breakthrough comes. You see, we've all experienced those times where we pray and something happens, (laughs) where we're looking for answers and we start reading the Bible and the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart and there's a solution or there's insight or we just gain peace. But at exactly the same time, we've had those experiences where we've prayed with faith and nothing happens where we're looking for an answer and we have to read and read and read and read and it feels like it's never coming. This is what Christianity is about. This is what life is about. And so the Lord doesn't just want to display His will, but He also wants to display His nature in us and through us. So what does this all have to do with disappointment and loss and criticism and betrayal? Well, if we're going to navigate those four things, and they're going to come, they've already come, they will come again, no matter how deep we go in God, because we live in this world. But if we're going to navigate those things, we need maturity. We need character. We need persistence, and we need endurance. And so these pictures seemed to represent those two concepts to me. On the one side, we've got this boat that's crushing through the ice, that's breaking through the ice, that's breaking the ice, right? And I've called that persistence. It means to go on resolutely or stubbornly in spite of opposition. It means to be insistent in the repetition or pressing of a question or opinion. On the other hand, we have endurance. That poor yacht is frozen in the ice. It really has no choice. It's there till spring. (laughs) And it just has to endure, which means to remain firm under suffering or misfortune without yielding, to undergo without giving in. And these are the seasons of our life, right? Sometimes there's ice we're going to crush through, and then sometimes we find ourselves frozen in, and there is nothing we can do. 
And this, that you, we use persistence and endurance like they're synonyms, but there are subtle differences here. Because persistence um, is all about effort, energy, passion, okay? Um, it's about doing what I am able to do. At times, we need to crack the ice. There are times in our faith with God where we need to stand up, make the effort, do the thing, get out there, try something. We're also concerned about purpose. The Bible says a man plans his ways, but the Lord orders his steps. It doesn't say God plans a man's ways and then the man orders his steps, does it? It says a man makes his plans, but the Lord orders his steps. So what comes first? Plans. Praying is really good. We're talking about prayer. But sometimes you pray and then you get up and start walking. And you keep checking in with God till he directs your steps. And if your plan was to touch that door and God leads you over there to touch that painting, there's no failure. In fact, it's the greatest success possible. You made your plans and then God actually ordered your steps. So if you're worried about purpose, just do something that you can do. And trust the Lord. And let's see what happens. And so that's persistence. It's my effort. We, you'll see where this all fits in in a moment because uh, Josephine gave us some great insights and I'm going to bring it back to that. So what is endurance? Well, endurance um, requires character, fortitude, and faith. It's about understanding that I am not in control. <laughs> and it's about waiting on God. Now, when we talk about prayer, for me, this is something the Lord really had to put in my heart. Prayer is not a chore. It's not a task. It's a discussion, right? It's communication. So what is the actual point of prayer? Relationship. You see, we do this thing where we come to read our Bible and we come to pray because I grew up a Baptist. Like, quiet times were the thing. If you did quiet times, the flames of hell were far. If you didn't, the less you did quiet times, the closer the flames of hell came, okay? And what that created in me was a chore mindset. And I would read my Bible and pray, and I'd work through many little devotional books just to keep the flames of hell away. But I wasn't making friends with Jesus. He had made friends with me already. That's how good he is but I wasn't making friends with him. And that was something I had to undo in my life, my faulty thinking. We come to prayer to get stuff. We come to prayer because we have to. The same with our Bible reading. I love Bible plans, but do you understand that the, plan, the point of a Bible plan isn't ticking a box? It's reading the Bible. I use Bible plans to remind me where I stopped last week, and then I carry on from there. And then when my phone starts shaming me and telling me how bad I am, I just ignore it now. I highly suggest you do the same thing. There's no, if you are reading the Bible, that's all that matters. The box means nothing. Can we just set each other and ourselves free? Tell the person next to, me, to you, you're free. <laughs> And so why do I pray? Why do I read my Bible? Well, the first reason is relationship. The Bible will give us information. The Bible will give us revelation. But what the point of the Bible is, is to find God. 
What is the point of prayer? To talk to God. Somebody we're already in relationship with. And so seasons of endurance are actually going to tell me where my relationship with God really is. Because who loves being iced in for a full winter? I mean, we'll be kind of feeling like that with ESCOM, aren't we? It's like we have no choice. You know, we thought the 20 gigs we bought on the MiFi was enough, and then halfway through a month they run out. That, that's my story. We have no control. And this is the issue of endurance, is that it puts us in a place where now suddenly we realize I have no relationship with God, or I have incredible relationship with God, or some weird space in between. And an enduring season is an opportunity to get to know God better. Why? Because that boat isn't going anywhere. But when I look at that boat, that boat looks like it's got a really comfortable library inside of it. That boat looks like there's comfy chairs, and I don't know how, but there's some kind of fireplace in there. And there's food. Because you see, God doesn't leave us bereft. But it's our choice. What I would be doing was I would not be in the comfy library. I would be outside trying to break ice, trying to pull the boat. Then I'd be really upset and angry with God because I'm freezing to death and I don't have food and this is just too much. In the meantime, the Lord's just saying, come sit on my lap. Let me be your comfy library. Let me give you the warmth you need. Let me feed you with my love and my compassion. And so that is endurance. And so what Josephine taught us is that prayer is about agreement with God, right? What it, well, there's his part and my part. That's an agreement. There's no agreement if there isn't a second party. Am I right? Then it's just what you want to do. Now, God is sovereign. He could just do whatever he wanted to do. This is, this is the problem with Christianity because we're trying to make him responsible for everything. When he delegated stuff, he said, the earth is yours. You take dominion of the earth. You care for it. But we are praying, God, do this, do this. God's saying, I delegate it to you. You do it. <laughs> and so the partnership of persistence and endurance is, is, is exactly what prayer is about. There's our part and there's God's part. Persistence is all our part. Endurance is the Holy Spirit inside of us, bringing us through, reforming us, giving us character. And I believe that there can't be persistence without endurance. If you don't know how to endure, you will not persist. Because persistence is all our effort, remember. If I haven't figured out that God is the rock of my salvation, whoops, that he is all the inspiration and motivation in my heart. How will I persist? Because then it is only my strength. And where will I end up? And so this brings us to the scripture we're going to read tonight. It's called the parable of the persistent widow. And it says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. 
And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat, beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect to cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So this is literally one of the very few parables where Jesus actually explains it right at the beginning. He says, this is the story that's going to help you understand that you should always pray and you should not lose heart. So there are two lessons in the story, right? Always pray, do not lose heart. So when, when you think about persistence and endurance, sorry, your face. <laughs> okay, we're over that now. <laughs> You're not going to forget this sermon, I don't know for the right reasons, but in any case. Persistence and endurance. So, persistence is the always praying. Do not lose heart is? Yeah. Because let's be honest, who's lost heart praying? You know, this is that world. We start praying so fervently, and then three weeks we've forgotten, and we haven't even prayed that thing again. So we need both. We need persistence and endurance, and there can't be persistence without endurance. And the ought to pray, we know that well. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all pers perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We know that part. The part we don't know so well is the not losing heart. And so this parable is about a poor, powerless person, the widow, who persists in nagging a corrupt, powerful person, the judge, to do justice for her. So let's look at those characters. The judge. So verse 6 calls him an unrighteous judge, a corrupt official. And twice he says himself, he did not fear God nor respect man. So the judge is not a picture of God. <laughs> this isn't God. This is called a juxtaposition. You didn't know you were getting linguistics lessons tonight and English grammar lessons. A juxtaposition. This is not an allegory. The, Jesus is using a juxtaposition. He's showing us how bad this judge is to show us how good God actually is. It's a judge's job to give justice. And this is actually the issue of this parable. What does the widow want? Justice. Judges dispense justice. They are impartial. They follow the law. They do what is right, ideally. Okay? And so that's why she's coming to the judge. She needs justice against an adversary. We don't know the whole story. But he is the only one who can help her. And she knows that. 
And so the encouragement for you and I as Christians is to persevere in our faith against all odds because persistent persistence pays off. If it pays off with a human with limited power, imagine how it will pay off with the eternal God who is unending power. Okay? Um, Romans 13 verse 1 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. What is it saying? Is that even the most corrupt person in power is only there by God's grace. What is happening in the story? The judge will give her judges justice because of God, whether he believes in him or not. Because God is the only place of true justice. And so there is hope, even in the midst of a systemic injustice. Justice may be done. Only God can bring about justice in a corrupt world. And that is why we pray. That was Josephine's whole sermon. Why do we pray? To know God, to understand Him. And then to do what? To partner with Him. See, the we have to invite God into the world. He's sovereign. He can do anything he wants. But he has decreed that he will partner with humankind. And it's an issue of authority. You hold the greatest authority over your own life because you are the most responsible for your life. You all know you can make any choice you want to. Lightning does not come out the sky and strike you dead. If it did, there would be an empty room here tonight. Am I right? It's your choice. It's my choice. And we can either beg and plead and cry out and be all angry with God in prayer, or we can just partner with Him. But Josephine taught us something very important last week. She read from John 15, I believe. Um, I had it in my notes somewhere. Um, and, and it said, basically, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you want, and it shall be done. Now, who wants to ask for whatever they want, and it shall be done? Me. Yeah, absolutely. But you see, the clincher in the New Testament is that almost every single promise in the New Testament has conditions. And we are very good at quoting half a scripture. We are, in fact, incredibly good at quoting half a scripture and have no clue what it says before. And so that scripture has two conditions. Now here's the secret. Find the condition, and then tell me that that condition isn't relationship. It's not works. It's not our effort. It's not based on us. But the condition is relationship. And so in this promise, because that's the promise, whatever you ask, you will receive. But there are two conditions. I must abide in him, and his words must abide in me. Do you see the partnership of heaven? And it's my choice. God is not a puppeteer. He is not a Nazi. He's not a taskmaster. He doesn't force us. He invites us. He calls us. He draws us. He lays lavish tables of glory for us. And then we decide. And so for me to abide in him is all up to me. 
And as Jess said in the beginning of the service, she said, you can have as much of God as you want tonight. This is freedom. We actually have all the control. Now, we don't. But around our minds and our hearts, it's all up to us. And then we go to prayer and we shout and cry and throw tantrums at God. How do I know that? Because I do it. I'm the one preaching these things to you. And why am I preaching this? Because I do it. Yeah, it's a story. Um, somewhere during lockdown, I just stopped watching the news because I couldn't anymore. And it just became a habit. I think it's a good habit. So, um, I don't know, around about the 26th of February, I, um, a friend of mine posted, pray for the Ukraine. And the next day I read that and I sent him a message saying, is there something happening in the Ukraine? <laughs> and I got a sarcastic, yes, there is. And I said, no, my friend, what I mean is, I don't have a clue what's happening in the Ukraine. And much to my shock and horror, I discovered that Russia had just invaded a sovereign, sovereign state. I mean, February 2022, couldn't you have given us at least a year of recovery from COVID? But any case. And so fervent prayer started happening. And then I discovered our Every Nation churches in the Ukraine that are doing amazing work, and our, and our um, churches in Poland who are helping, and our churches throughout Europe that are just doing amazing things. And it kind of became this personal thing for me that, that this was going to be a symbol of good triumphing over evil. And I prayed like I haven't prayed in a long time. And six weeks into it, I woke up one morning and I was angry at God. Jesse, it's true. And it took me a little while to, to realize that I was really miffed with God. I was refusing to talk to him or look at him or think about him because I was so upset because bad things were happening in the Ukraine. And you know how it goes. You're mad at God, so you just don't talk to him for a few days. Then your whole soul starts falling apart. <laughs> so then you think you better talk to God, but then you know you're a three-year-old throwing a tantrum. So you're like, God, what's wrong with you? Why is Russia still invading the Ukraine? I'm so angry with you, God. It's good to be honest with God, because until you're honest with him, you're not going to receive truth, right? Because we pretend all the time. We come here, we sing, unge zunge zile. <laughs> but we're so upset with God. We are so upset with God. Yeah, I watched. I was sitting on that box. I saw you. We are so upset with God. But we sing and do the things, and then we go home and we're just upset with God. So I got honest. I said, I'm really cross with you. And you know, I've, got a, I've, got a, I've had a long relationship with God. And so when he doesn't speak back to me, I understand he's already given me something. And so I sat and thought, and suddenly I realized God is all-knowing. He knows what's going to happen in the next three minutes, three hours. Three days, three weeks, three years, 30,000 years. God knows exactly what's going to happen. This is his sovereignty at play. Whatever's happening in Ukraine, God understands more than we ever, ever will. Because he knows what's coming next. Do you get what I'm saying? And so I had to sit there and go, okay, Lord, it's not my job. to. My prayers are not to control you. My prayers are not the begin, all, and end all. What I want is completely irrelevant. You see, what had happened in that moment, why was I cross with God? Because I started judging him. And I judged him on my standards. What happened the second I did that? I was no longer abiding in him, and I wasn't paying any attention to his words abiding in me. 
I wanted what I wanted, and I was a little two, two and a half years, it gets younger as you go, two and a half year old, just losing my, my mind. Instead of choosing to push into God, there are mysteries we will not understand. We serve a mystery who is not like us. He's other than. And so this is prayer. And some of you need to get over yourselves tonight, and you need to go back to God, and like me, you need to throw your three-year-old tantrum, see yourself doing it, and go, okay, we're over that now. <sighs> Lord, who are you? Endurance, 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 endurance. And then we've got the widow. Now, given the context of Israel in that time, there's many things. Women married really young and had babies really young because people died by 40. <laughs> if you made it to 50, you were old. <laughs> you were really, really old. Um, there's also the context of them being completely and utterly oppressed by the Romans, who were not a kind people. And so men were sent off to fight in wars, children were sold into slavery, and so there's a good chance that she's a young woman. She's maybe in her late teens, early 20s. This isn't some old woman. And she's a woman in first century Israel. <laughs> she actually has no rights. And so some abuse has come against her. Some injustice has come away. Something horrible has happened. And as a woman, she cannot defend herself. She cannot speak out. So she goes to the judge, this unrighteous judge who is nothing like God so that Jesus can show us who God really is. It tells us that she kept coming. Here's some more English grammar. She kept coming is an iterative imperfect. It describes repeated action in the past, but not occurring on a regular schedule. Think about how clever this woman is. <laughs> it's not Monday afternoon at 3 o'clock every week. <laughs> she doesn't stop coming. But she's wise. She's got a plan. She comes in the middle of tea time. She comes just before breakfast. She comes during the board meeting. Josephine's getting it. <laughs> she keeps coming. It's not her coming that's the problem. It's the inconsistency of her coming <laughs> while being consistent in the coming. This woman is wily. And this is persistence. Can you see? She is breaking the ice. She knows this is not an endurance season. This is a persistence season. She's already practiced the endurance season. She's a widow. In fact, let's get really honest. I'm talking like persistence and endurance don't happen at the same time. Like we don't live in a space where there's six things we're supposed to be persistent about and four things we're supposed to endure, and it's all at the same time. Because that's life, right? That's the areas of our life. So this woman is both in an endurance season. She is a widow. That is something to endure. That grief doesn't just go away overnight. She's got work to do there. She needs to sit in that boat and push into that warm library. But she's also persistent. She most probably has children. People are starving that she's responsible for. That's most probably what's going on. And let's face it, without Jesus, even with Jesus, we're all a bit widowish. And verse 5 tells us that she wore the judge out by continually annoying him with her constant pleas for justice. Justice. She's not asking for herself. She's asking for justice. And when she saw no evidence of her hope, of her faith, of an answer to her promise, she endured and she did not give up. 
And so that continual coming is the persistence. That motivation for it is what? The endurance. Now remember that the judge is not an allegory of God. We do not wear God out by nagging. We do not, we persist by fulfilling our part of the partnership. We make decisions based on faith. We, be, we are responsible to fill our hearts and minds with his word and his ways. We are living in righteousness. That is how we persist with God. This, this, this parable is not saying you want a wife, just ask God 55,000 times. Become somebody who's worthy of having a wife. Become a good husband. You will find amazing wives. Well, one. But I mean, many different people will find many different ones, Jesse. But thanks for that. We, we persist by being responsible with our own hearts, thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. We actually agree with him and his word. This is why we plead and beg God, because we don't know what he wants for us, because we haven't bothered putting his words inside of us. This is what Josephine taught us last week. Me abiding in him and his words abiding. Abiding isn't some airy-fairy thing. It's about living. You abide in your lounge. You know how often your toilet gets blocked. You know the problems of your house because you abide there. Abiding in his words means you know what he thinks and what he feels and what he expects. We do not always get immediate results when we pray. See, our definition of justice is not the same as the Lord's definition. And this is when we have to endure. We give up too soon. And the issue is not about whether my prayer is answered. The issue is about the one I'm praying to. It's not about the answer to prayer. It's about the one who answers the prayer. And there are things I'm begging God for, but then I find his word, and then I realize that thing is irrelevant. I really want it. I think it's going to make me, but actually, Jesus, I've got you forever. Forever and ever and ever. And sometimes the thing we're praying for just isn't that important. We might miss it, we might still feel like we want it, but we've got him. And so a genuine disciple must learn that prayer never gives up and is based on absolute trust and faith in God. We can fully count on the Lord to answer when and where and how he chooses. Because it's not us who is in control. And sometimes we want to do magic things with prayer. Sometimes we want to go hold God hostage to his promises when we are not willing to fulfill the condition. Who is God? Look at the person next to you, not you. <laughs> God is God. And so we've got to stop begging and pleading. If you find yourself begging and pleading, it's because you're not willing to endure. It's because you're outside the boat trying to pull it when you should just be sitting in the library and having a good cry with Jesus. And if we're going to practice persistent prayer, there have to be structures and disciplines. 
Now listen, I, I grew up, like I said, I grew up Baptist. I was really good with quiet times. The Lord's had to work me out of that. I've had to figure out new structures for me. So I'm that person. God knows very well waking me up at 3 o'clock is not going to be very motivating to pray for anything. Okay? So I pray in sun, sunlight time. And, and God knows that that's the time. But I cannot tell you how often when I'm making my coffee, God drops people into my heart, situations into my heart, and there I am praying. So, I, so that's my little routine. But we need a routine. Now, later on I'm going to talk about that scripture where you know, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and his disciples are with him and they keep falling asleep. And he says to them, he does say this, he says, can't you even watch with me for an hour? But what he's saying is, <laughs> Just be responsible, because 10 minutes of fervent, faithful prayer can do way more than mushing around prayer for an hour. So we're not going to be weird and religious about it, but the point is set up your life so there is prayer, and diarizing, scheduling, putting alarms on your phone is going to remind you. Just use the, the tools at hand, and don't be weird about it. If you can pray for 20 minutes, pray for 20 minutes. If you can pray for five, pray for five, but do it. Include Bible reading in that. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. And pray beyond just your own thing. Get ideas from Scripture. Pray Scripture. There's so much Scripture that is already prayers. Pray those. Read the Psalms and pray them over yourself. But then pray it over the nation. Pray it over your friends. Pray it over people you don't even know. Go beyond yourself. That's where stuff really starts getting fun. And then there's God. And will, not, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Those who cry out to God night and day. And so this is, again, more English grammar. <laughs> this is an emphatic hyperbole, an exaggeration. But what it really says to me is that we are the elect of God, right? Why are we the elect of God? Because we're believing Jesus Christ for salvation. That's it. That's what makes us the elect of God. And what that means is that our whole mind, our whole attitude is is set on the Lord. So when I'm doing dishes, when I'm at work, when I'm looking after my kids, when I'm watching Netflix, in my heart I'm crying out to God. Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't go in and out of the prayer closet. We live in His presence. And we can pray anywhere, anytime, anyhow. We just have to keep agreeing with Him. Now, let's just get honest. When the Bible uses words like speedily, the original Hebrew word is actually soon. Um, <laughs> so, Jesus left the planet 2,022 years ago. His last words were, I'm coming soon. <laughs> and this is the issue as well, is that God's justice is in the context of eternity. And this is also why we struggle with prayer. You see, Abraham understood multi-generational vision. And he was faithful to hand the promises and the prophecies and everything that came over to Isaac, who was faithful to hand them over to Jacob. And that's how Israel existed. Any dream you have, any hope you have, should be multi-generational. If it's worth anything, it should be left for the next generation. 
And then we go on into eternity. Abraham's looking over the balcony of heaven today and he sees the sea sand and he sees the stars in the sky. Do you understand? And so there are things in prayer that we're never going to understand, like Russia invading the Ukraine. When I woke up this morning, I realized it's four months. Ukraine is still a nation. I think that's a miracle. I think that is God at work. Will he find faith on earth? The Son of Man is looking for those who continue to believe in him despite the wait. And so tonight, are you aware of places where you need to be persistent? Where you need to be like that widow, stepping up, stepping out. You need to be like the ice crusher. Are you aware tonight of places of endurance where your ship is frozen, but maybe you're mixing them up and you're trying to be persistent where you should just be enduring? Do you understand that? So take a moment and pray for yourselves. Where are you? If you can think of one persistent place, start asking the Lord to make you brave, to make you courageous. Start asking the Holy Spirit so that tomorrow you get up and you do what you need to do. That widow had to go to the judge. If there are places of endurance, are you like I would be? Are you outside of that ship trying to force things to work? Or are you going to go sit in the library and have a good cry with Jesus? Because, you know, sometimes endurance is about Jesus taking us to the deepest, darkest places of our lives so we can see who he was there. You are not the abuse that you suffered. You are not the words that other people spoke over you. You are not the things, situations, and spaces that failed. You are not a failure. You are not abused. You are not worthless and unvalued. Because Jesus has something to say to every one of those faces. And sometimes endurance is about that. We just want that thing. And God's going, wait, hold on. Let's heal this. Let me be your friend and the lover of your soul. Let me be a father who pulls you right up into my chest. And you can cry it out until it doesn't matter anymore. Until you know who you are. So just go to prayer in Jesus and ask him. If there's places of endurance, just set aside time and sit with him and cry. Sit with him and just think about who he is until you get it. And that's when springtime's going. So you can spread out around if you want to, but don't leave without praying. And Lord, as we pray to you tonight, help us see where we need to be persistent. As we pray to you tonight, Lord, help us to understand what that season of endurance is. You promise that you're hearing our prayers. We want to abide in you and we want your words to abide in us. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.